0: Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, enough commercials. Let's get to let's get to it. So today, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter twenty-four. In the soft Bibles that are in your seats, there uh, it's page eight oh seven. Uh, 8 it'll also be on the screen behind me if you just want to, don't feel like turning there, you just want to follow along, uh, you can do that. Um, so if you're a guest today, just want to let you know, this is not our building. <laughs> we don't own this, we just rent this from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, they meet uh, on Saturdays, they have their services here. I think I saw Jonathan, there you go. Jonathan, how you doing? One of their uh, elders here, so I that you're here with us today. Um, we have a great relationship with the church here and they allow us so graciously to, to rent this space from them on uh, on Sundays. Uh, so we weren't always here. Before this, we were at the Robbinsville Senior Center for a couple of years. Before the Senior Center, we were at the Sharon Elementary School for about four years. That was a lot of fun. Uh, the seats were like this big, which were more my size. It was great. They were really little. And then um, the bathrooms were really great, too, because all this everything was like really low. It was like, everybody's like, yeah, this is kind of an interesting thing we had. Um, we met in the cafetorium. If you don't know what that is, that's... Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's a cafeteria slash auditorium slash multi-purpose room. And it was great because, you know, it was just right there. We made a mess in metal folding chairs. So listen, we've come a long way, baby, right? It's been, we're, we're it's been about seven years. We started in uh, October 10th, 2010. So 10-10-10, we officially began Life Tree. So a relatively new church. We're about a first grader now, somewhere in that, in that range. Um, but part of our story of getting here was that uh, we, my wife and I lived in, uh, in Pennington, which is about 30 minutes from here. And we wanted to buy a house in Robbinsville. And I had never bought a house before, um, so I was, uh, naive and dumb and had no idea what I was walking into. I thought, how hard could it be to buy a house, right? It's just that, it's just that simple. Um, so we looked at a house and, uh, we wanted to move by September. This was like April of 2010. We wanted to move by September because our oldest son was about to start kindergarten. So we said, if we can get in by, by September. That'd be awesome. You know, that was kind of our deadline, our hard, our hard deadline. You know, God get us in there. God, Great faith. I'm a man of faith. Come on, I'm a pastor. God, you can get us in by September. And um, so we found a home in May and it was awesome. We put, our, we put in our offer. We gave them what they were asking. We gave asking price. We're like, this is going to be great. This is how it works, right? Well, apparently somebody else put in an asking price of the same amount and they decided to pick theirs. And we were like, oh, we loved that house. Can you believe it? We lost this house. And so, um, it fell through. So now the clock, you know what happens? Like you spend a lot of time looking till you get the right one to make an offer on a house. I mean, anybody bought a house before, you know, like you, you you don't just do these things casually, right? So I was like, okay, so now we're back to square one because we thought we had that done. So now we're back to, okay, looking again and trying to search. And, you know, we, we had a pretty small window of what we were looking for. So then we, we found a home in, in, um, In June, end of June, we actually signed on a home. Okay, we're going to buy this house. This is going to be great. Um, It was on Sharon Road. Everything was going to be awesome. So that we signed the end of June. You know all the different paperwork, all the different stuff that has to happen. And then we go to inspection. Just like one of the last things you check. This was the end of July now, right? So I mean, hey, just let's just get the inspector in there, tell me everything is good and and we're good. And I remember the inspector um, looked like he was on a trampoline when he was on the roof. He was jumping up and down and the roof was going like this. And I'm like, I don't think that's good. And then um, all the grass was brown because it was the end of July. And except there was this green spot. And he said, you see that green spot? I said, yeah, he goes, yeah, that's the septic. And I said, oh, and then we went down into the basement of the house, which was kind of like, listen, I'm short, but it was really short. My dad's laughing because he was there and he remembers. We walked down the basement stairs and we, it was like, I wasn't finished. It was kind of rough and it was like a short ceiling, like we can make it work. We're little people. We can make this house work. We could do a little person house. And we come back up the stairs and above the doorway to the basement is just a single light bulb screwed into the wall. No fixture, just a light bulb. And hanging off the light bulb is a dried and dead bat. And I was like, "Oh, this isn't good." And the inspector just said, "I think you should walk away from this house." (laughs) Oh, I mean, this is the end of July. We wanted to be in by September. Can you buy a house and close in a month, like, and be in? Come on, Danny. You know it's not happening. You you know the business. It's not happening. So unless you know people, unless you know people, it's not happening. So in August, we found another house. We're like, okay, here we go again. We're really desperate. We we had been looking for a house. We'd actually seen this house. It was way too small for us. There's no way we were going to fit in this house. But what happened is we, we actually, we were blind to things. Like the house looked like a log cabin. It had parquet and wood floor everywhere. It had wood paneling on the walls. All the door frames were wood. All the doors were wood. All the window frames were wood. This person must have really liked wood. Okay, so there was really, it looked like a wood log cabin, and we actually missed a door. We looked in the whole house, and we walked by this door. It turned out that was the door to the basement that was finished. We never saw it. So that was about six months in between. We come back, us, we're like, oh, it has a basement. Are you kidding? And I was like, this changes everything. In that time, I believe God blinded us to it, because in that time, the asking price in the house came down $100,000. The interest rate had come down a full percentage point, and they were motivated to sell, because it was an estate sale. And it was like, wow, that's a, this is crazy. This is God. God is God is so in this. We're going to get this house and he's prepared for us. It's going to be awesome. I can't believe we didn't see the door because God didn't want us to see the door. So it was great. So here we go. We're going to buy this house. We just needed some money (laughs) for a down payment. And so we had a vehicle. We're like, well, we'll sell the vehicle and we'll get some money for the down payment. So I do what everybody else does and I put it on Craigslist and I sell we're selling this vehicle on Craigslist for X amount of dollars. And I get an email back from, you know, a bunch of people. I will give you four dollars for it. My family really needs it. Could you help me out? And I'm like, you know, like, you know, get you know, all the emails. Everybody done Craigslist. You know how it goes. You just don't respond to those. Right. And then the ones they have no punctuation, half the words. You know, I'm like, I just don't think this is going to work. And then I got one from a, a kid and he was like, yeah, I, I think I want to. I want to take a look at it. I'm like, sure, come take a look at it. We meet in a church parking lot out in Pennington and he comes and Sasha. Sasha is a six foot four football player from Albany. He's about I mean, huge, muscular, blonde, flowing hair. I'm not making it up. I mean he is this huge kid. And I say, So what do you play on the football team? And he goes, I'm the kicker. It's like, <laughs> seriously, you're the kicker. Who'd have who'd have thought? So Anyway, he goes, okay, he takes it for a test ride, he goes, okay, I want to buy the car. I said, okay, and he goes, here's the cash. And he gives me, at that time, I'll tell you, it was, it was $12,500 in cash. And I'm like, for real, you're going to give me cash? Like, I, so I walk, I'm like, hold on. You're much bigger than me. I'm not going to count this in front of you. And I walk into the church and I count it out. And I'm like, yeah, it's $12,500. All right, we're good. I give him the the title, everything. We're good. He goes off. Some of you know where this is going. Some of you have no idea. But I am foolish enough to walk to the bank then. I drive. I'm like, okay, here we go. And I deposit $12,500 in cash. Okay, because, hey, that's what I need to make a down payment. It's going to work out great. This is going to be no problem. okay. About two days later, I get a phone call from my mortgage company. Can you explain a $12,500 cash deposit in your account? And I'm like, yeah, I sold a car. They're like, yeah, do you have any proof? (laughs) I can show you the title that I had and I don't have anymore. I had a photocopy of that. No, that's not going to work. And all of a sudden, do you ever have that moment where you go, oh no, I did something really, really bad. (laughs) So I have this moment and I'm like, how can I make this right? And they say, well, the only way that this could be made right is if we see somehow the bank record of the individual who withdraw that amount of money, exactly, and we can connect... So I got to call Sasha, who I don't have a number for. I have a Craigslist email for a Sasha who's a kicker somewhere in Albany. And I got to ask him to give my mortgage company his bank records. (coughs) You know, I wrote him an email pleading for help. Do you ever have a moment where you need a miracle? I mean, really. I need, like, there was no way that mortgage company was going to let us buy this house if I don't get proof. I need, Dan is laughing because he does this. I, I needed a miracle. Big time. What, how many things, how many things Sasha called? Yeah. He did. He came through. We closed September 2nd. The week my son started kindergarten. I'm telling you, I live in a miracle. My house is a miracle house. Not only that, there was was another offer on the house that was actually more money, and they took ours because we wrote a note. And they were sentimental about the fact that we were going to move in and start a church and do all this kind of stuff. And they were like, this sounds great. We wanted to give it to you. They left a, a Yankee candle on the mantle of the house and a note praying a blessing over the house. And they gave us two months of landscaping that they paid for to make the transition easier on us. Who does that? Doesn't happen. You don't. You don't come to closing, and the seller gives you things because they feel bad for you. Okay, I just must have a, a, you know just some sort of thing on my face, like feel bad for this guy. He's a you know he's a loser. He does bad things. You know, he he puts cash in the bank, right? Um, I've learned a lesson. Learned a lesson. Last year, I actually found out um, from from Jen that. The person who used to live in my house actually used to work. It was her, her family her relative, and he used to work for the Mercer County Shade Tree Commission. His job was to plant trees. So the guy, I started a church called Life Tree, and I bought a house from a guy who plants trees. Obviously, God is in this. Now, my foolishness along the way necessitated miracles. On God's end, but he came through. Let me tell you, today you may not need the miracle of a house. I don't know what your miracle is, but here's the thing. We all need a miracle somewhere. If I asked you, where do you need a miracle today? You could probably tell me. There's probably some area in your life where really, if you thought about it, you need a miracle. It's something you can't do. Webster's Dictionary defines a miracle as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Something we need to happen that we can't make happen. That's a miracle. Something where you couldn't do it. There's no way. It wasn't logical. It wasn't reasonable. There was no expectation of it. But it was a miracle. Maybe you need a financial miracle. I don't know. Maybe you need a medical miracle. Maybe you have a family member or a friend bound by addiction. And you need a freedom miracle. Maybe you need a relational miracle, a heart change miracle. Whatever kind of miracle you need today, the truth is this, very simply, you can't make it happen. Just like I couldn't make it happen. Miracles demand that we can't do it, because if we do it, we'd have already done it, (laughs) so we wouldn't need the miracle, right? And I'm on a mission to tell you today, God is a God of miracles. Today, I believe God wants to do something miraculous in your life. And I'm not just being a spiritual fruitcake and bringing it out on Easter and being like, hey, here we go, miracles, weird stuff's going to happen. It's nothing like that. Um, But very seriously, I think God wants to do something miraculous in your life. And I think he wants to do it today. And it's something infinitely more than you can even dream of. I never would have dreamt that a house would become such a living miracle to me. But I can tell you, I could sit here all day and tell you stories just about our house. And how I believe God had that set aside for us. I mean, you tell me it just so happened that the dude who lived in my house before planted trees. You think that's chance? It just so happened? So would you join me in a brief prayer this morning? I just want to pray something very simple. God, I believe that you want to do miracles. And I believe the only thing that stops the miracle you want to do is us. Would you open our hearts and our minds today? May miracles happen here. Amen. I love stories. I love telling stories. Stories are great. You won't remember probably anything else I say today. Um, Hopefully you'll never forget the story that I'm about to read. This is the story of what happened on the third day after Jesus was crucified on the cross. If you didn't think you were going to hear this story on Easter, I'm sorry to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. This is church. We, we talk about Jesus on Easter. Um, Luke chapter 24, verse 1 it says, very early on Sunday morning, some women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared to, for his body. And they found that the stone, there was a stone in front of the grave that Jesus had. It was like a sort of a an area that would go down. They rolled a stone kind of down into a valley. They would roll a stone down to prevent it from, you know, anything from getting out, you know, animals, critters from getting in, all sorts of stuff. And the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes, similar to what I'm wearing today. Dazzling, dazzling, I know. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? There are so many things in here we could talk about where we're just glossing over them. So, He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man, which was a reference to Jesus, must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. If you don't know, Jesus used to have 12 disciples. One of them was a bad egg. We'll we'll talk about that more in a moment. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again wondering what had happened. Now, I want to pause right here. The story of God is hard to believe. The story that we're going about to tell you, this, this story is hard to believe. I recognize that. Skeptics, people who are skeptical about faith and religion, listen, they make sense. Skeptics make a lot of sense because this isn't reasonable. If you're a skeptic here today, perhaps you came with a family member or a friend, it's perfectly logical for you to be a skeptic. Resurrection is unnatural. I want you to understand that you're in good company. Today, if you're a skeptic, even the people closest to Jesus didn't believe it. Think about this. Jesus handpicked 12 men to be his disciples. These were the 12 sterling, sharp minds that were going to bring this story of God to the world. The 12 men, Jesus, Jesus himself, God himself, teacher. Like, if you got a problem, it's not the teacher's fault, right? The best teacher in the world, he comes down. These are the ones giving the responsibility. And it says this, one of them betrays him, right? We know Judas. It says, and handed him over to be murdered in exchange for money. Oh, that was a good choice, Jesus. Do you regret that one? You know, I mean, hey, 11 out of 12 is pretty good, you know, for batting average. You're doing all right there. It says, of the other 11, though, here's the thing, of the other 11, the good eggs, guess what? None of them believe it when he does what he says he's going to do. Twelve men that Jesus pours his life into, tells them what's going to happen. One of them doesn't believe, betrays him. The other eleven don't believe it when he actually does it. Jesus batting a thousand. Seriously, if the Bible was manufactured to make people believe, I'd have to think they'd leave this part out about doubt. Because wouldn't you think that the story they'd want to tell is that and all the men believed everything Jesus said and it was great and you should just do what Jesus says. But it woven into the story is this embracing of doubt. It says one out of eleven, only even one went to verify what the ladies even said. The other ten just sat there, didn't even go to check. This is not a good response. These are serious doubters. See, resurrection is unimaginable. It's beyond ex- ex- explanation. You can't explain how. How does the resurrection work? Anybody got an answer? Any doctors in the house, you know how resurrection works? Because I don't think there's a book on it yet. It violates the natural order we observe around us. If you don't buy the story, you're in good company. And then Jesus shows up on what was called the Emmaus Road, walking with some of his followers, and they don't recognize him. And Jesus asks, what's going on? They tell Jesus all about what happened, how they're disappointed that Jesus was, wasn't was who they thought he was. And they did know what the women had said, but they just didn't understand. You know, Jesus is we had hoped he was going to be the Messiah, and now he's not, you know. And Jesus shakes his head. And explains, again, this whole story to these followers. Like, I've been telling you people for years, I've got to tell you again, I've got to connect the dots for you. They just can't believe it's true. And then something happens. As these two guys are walking on the road with Jesus, they don't recognize him, they're talking, and something happens. And it's like an awakening, and it says, in that moment, they recognize that this is Jesus. He is who he says he is. It's like this, this aha moment. It says in that moment, then Jesus disappears, (laughs) right? Just when I figured it out, he leaves. Says they run back to tell the 11 disciples. We're going to pick up the story there. Skip down to verse 35. It says this. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. I love the story. I tell it every year. I think somebody, I, nobody has yet to take me up on it. I think you should do it. Would just get a set a camera up, please set a camera up somewhere, and scare somebody and just go, "Peace be with you," and just see what happens. Like if they don't know you're there and they just yell, "Peace be with you," and video it. Telling you, funny videos would put it. You could win some money. All right, I move on. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Listen, these are, the, these are not just normal. These are, the, these are the people that Jesus has been spending time with and they're doubting. And then he shows up and they think it's a ghost. And I can hear Jesus being like, why are you scared? Why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. Everybody knows ghosts don't have bodies. They have long, flowing, white things. That's what ghosts have. All right, wisps at the end. I have a body. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Huh, he has a body. Still. Then he asked them, fine, do you have something to eat? I can hear Jesus being so totally exasperated. They give him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. And then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And in verse 45, this is where things began to happen. It says this, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Here's the message. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. It says, you are witnesses of all these things, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in this city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him. And returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. There are so many miracles that happened this day. I mean, really, so many miracles. The stone was moved. A, a guarded heavy stone needed several strong people to move it. It says the stone was moved miraculously. It wasn't supposed to be. Because God's a God who can move obstacles that you can't. It says the body was gone. I mean, this is a body guarded by Roman soldiers. I mean, highly political. This was the entire city was in an uproar of, of Jerusalem about this, and yet somehow the body's gone because nobody can stop God when He wants to do something. And then two angels are seen. Let me ask you: When was the last time you saw two angels in dazzling robes standing in front of you talking to you? Anybody? Has it been a while? I don't know. Anybody have that? And maybe, listen, maybe you've seen two angels in dazzling robes. I don't know. You know, you you can raise your hand if you want. I'm not judging. I've not seen that. But the truth is that God is more present than we realize. The disciples didn't believe, which I think is a ridiculous miracle. Isn't that a miracle? Isn't it a miracle that these guys for three years devoted their life? They gave up everything to follow Jesus. He actually does what he says he's going to do. And they go, I don't believe it. That's a miracle. It's a dumb miracle, but it's a miracle. Thick-headed. Thick-headed. Jesus appears. He's risen from the dead. Even death can't stop God. They still don't believe. They wonder without understanding. Which just proves that knowledge is not the way to God. You can't know enough. It's not about knowing the story. They knew everything. It's not just about experience. You can't experience enough. They had more experiences than anybody. So what does it take to understand? says so Jesus opened their minds to understand. See, God gave these knuckleheads the mental capacity and spiritual awareness to understand the truth. Because God can open even the most doubtful mind to understand. And it's this final movement, Jesus taken up to heaven in the wonk He just goes up, right glass elevator, he just goes up. He says he goes up to heaven. See, all these miracles are hard to believe and beyond explanation. Resurrection is undeniably the centerpiece of this story. But today, the resurrection of Jesus is not the most miraculous part of this story. What did you hear in church? I heard in church that the resurrection wasn't that big a deal. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's not the most miraculous part of the story. Because resurrection is a physical miracle. A dead body regained breath. A stopped heart started beating again. An inactive brain began firing again. Cold skin regained its warmth. But it was just a physical miracle. See, the greatest miracle of all is this, that God offers every one of us forgiveness. The forgiveness is a spiritual miracle. And it opens the door to eternal life. Resurrection brought Jesus back to earth. Does that sound like a great miracle to you? Brought Jesus back to earth. Forgiveness brings us to paradise. You tell me what's the greater miracle. I've messed up more times than I can count. I have more bad days than good. I get angry. This past week we were in Lancaster for three days, nice little vacation, got away with some friends and family, played some golf, it was great, it was beautiful days. Pastor Kevin and I played, just the two of us. We got to hole number one the second day and there was a group in front of us, four individuals who knew nothing about golf, had no idea what was in their hands, didn't know what was supposed to happen with that little white ball, didn't know anything. After waiting for about five minutes we said, you know what, can't do this. So we drove around them and started on hole two and finished up. We finished, we went inside, cleaned up, got the kids ready, got back in our car, decided to go to dinner, figured out where we were going and started driving. As we were driving, we saw them coming down hole number eight. <laughs> no joke, Gary. Eight. I was like, Are you serious? I've been done for like 45 minutes. As we were driving, relatively new car, come to a stop sign, and they're coming down this hill, and the, the green is maybe a couple hundred yards in front of us. Should not be in play anywhere. I'm driving a car on a road, and I see a ball bounce in the road in front of me, about 40 feet in slow motion, and I watch it bounce. And I realize it's coming right for my windshield. And I just slam on the gas, and I go forward as fast as I can. It hit the top of my car. It missed my windshield by an inch, inch and a half. And it banged off the top of my car. You can ask my wife. I threw the car in park. Got out. Picked up the golf ball. Jumped up. I'm looking on the roof of my car, seeing if it dented it threw the golf ball. I wanted to throw it in the water, but I threw it in the sand hazard. That was nice. Got back in the car. Sped on by it. And I, they're, they're, they're watching me come. I do not even look at them. Just went right by them. Didn't even look at them. Telling you, I was not happy. I have bad days. Days where I lose my temper. They are lucky I didn't. I wanted what I wanted to do. Hmm. Did not do. Guys have no business being on a golf course. Especially with people around. Listen, there are days I judge people. There are days I act selfishly. There are days I get jealous. I mess up and sin more than I want to admit. And here's the deal. Every wrong that I do has a price tag. The price tag is what it takes to make that wrong right again. For those doofballs would have had to replace my windshield to make it right again, to fix the dent. That's what it takes to make it right again. Also, give me back the 15 minutes that you cost me waiting at T1 for you guys just to hit your third shot. But God was very clear. The cost of my sin is my life. Romans. Paul tells us this. For the wages of sin is death. I deserve death. And that is what is coming for me. Death is coming. There is nothing I can do to make that right. There is nothing you can do to make your sin right. We're, we're stuck in our sin. We are all doomed. Isn't this a great message? What you learned on Easter? We're all doomed, and our sin has condemned us to death. That's it. That's what you heard. Hey, Merry, happy, happy Easter, everybody. Go get your eggs. I'm telling you, this is, I'm going to tell you why this is a great message. And the, the reason it's a great message is because I'm not done yet. Because there's a comma at the end of that. At the end of that. Do you see that comma? Okay. I love commas. Because commas say, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me tell you, a miracle of all miracles is that Jesus did for us what we could never have done for ourselves. That's the miracle right there. That's the greatest miracle. Because of Jesus' miraculous act, we receive the greatest miracle. One man dies, we all live. That's Easter. That's what this is about. Which brings us to the defining moment. See, miracles are hard to believe. They defy explanation. Miracles demand faith. In order to believe that that's true, you've got to take a step of faith. I can't prove it to you. It's a miracle. How do you know you have forgiveness? I can't prove it to you. He has to take His word for it and it's called faith. It's the gap. There's always a gap between what you know and what you don't know and you've got to jump it and that's why it's called faith. You've got to believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son... That whoever believes in him will have everlasting life that he promises. We all need a miracle. I don't know what miracle you need today. Maybe you need a miracle of faith. Maybe you just struggle to believe this stuff. You've heard the story, you've known the story your entire life. Your family believes it, your friends believe it, but you don't believe it. There's just a gap. You just can't wrap your mind around it. I understand it's logical, you make sense not trying to tell you you're dumb. We all need a miracle. But I want to tell you today that no miracle is too small and none are too great. Go big or go home, right? My prayer is that you believe in a big God today who can do the impossible. Our God is a God of miracles. I'm going to invite the choir to to come on up. And they're going to close us with a song today. Kind of move over here as I finish my thoughts. You'll have to look at me over here. I'm sorry. But perhaps today you're a doubter and a skeptic. My question is this. What's it going to take for you to believe that God is who he says he is? Are you willing to dare God to reveal himself to you? To open your mind to understand? Here's the truth. If he's not God, you have nothing to worry about. But if he is real, consider what it's costing you. You're holding on to your guilt and pain and facing the impossibilities of life on your own. Let me tell you, my life is filled with awe at the way God works. I could tell you story after story of the way I've seen God work in my life in ways that I could never have done. God does so many good things I could never do. Miracles are unexplainable. So if that's you today... If you're at that place of just, I just don't know that I can believe this. If that's you, can I just tell you, I've been praying for you. To be honest, if you're, at, if you're, if you're in that valley of doubt right now, can I tell you, that's why we started this church. We didn't start a church of people who already believe. There's plenty of churches of people who already believe. We started a church to help people who struggle with that. So if that's you today... My vision is to help you experience the miracle of faith. See, God is powerfully gracious and loves you more than you know. The question is very simply, will you accept the forgiveness he offers you? He wants you to experience the new life that comes with that amazing grace. And if today you acknowledge something needs to change, I have five words for you. There is forgiveness for you. There you. There There is forgiveness for you. There is forgiveness for you. There is forgiveness for you. If you hear nothing else, I pray this burns in your heart and you'll never forget that there is forgiveness for you. Whatever you've done, whatever you are, it does not matter. Our God's love is not conditional, neither is his grace. The only thing standing between you and the miracle of forgiveness is your willingness to believe that which is unexplainable. Miracles are not for the foolish, they're not for the naive, they're not for the simple minded. Miracles must be embraced with eyes wide open. God did not shy away from the difficulty of believing in the miraculous. Even the disciples struggled to believe. Those who knew best struggled. And God knew we would too. But God will also do for you what he did for them. He can open your mind to understand. God loves you so much he gave everything for the chance that you would believe in the miracle of forgiveness. And perhaps today you're praying for a miracle in someone else's life. Maybe there's somebody else you know that needs this miracle of forgiveness in their own life. I'm going to tell you right now, begin to pray for them by name. Mention them by name. Maybe you've been praying for them for years. Don't stop. Maybe you're discouraged. God isn't answering. Don't stop. God hears every prayer you pray. God is always at work. He is the God of miracles. And if he can wipe away our sins, there's nothing he can't do. And I believe God wants to do miracles today and he wants to do them here and he wants to do them now. In a moment, the choir is going to sing a song and the song is called God of Miracles. I think it's kind of appropriate. And if you need a miracle today, whether in your own life or in the life of someone else, I'm going to ask you to do something courageous today. As the choir sings, if you need a miracle today, whether for you or for somebody else, if you're able, would you just stand? And by standing, saying, "God, I need a miracle." God, I acknowledge that I need a miracle. And let me tell you, church isn't something that we do on our own. This is not individuals. Look around; there are people here. We do this corporately. If you see somebody else standing who needs a miracle and you know them, would you stand with them? And stand with them? I'm going to agree with you for this miracle because you're not alone in this. Because we don't do this alone. If you're not able to stand, you can just turn to somebody and ask them to join with you and believe in God for a miracle. You don't have to stand, but do something to say, God, I need a miracle in my life. Whether it's the miracle of faith or it's something else, like I said, financial healing, whatever you need. You know, I don't. Not my business. It's between you and God, but he knows. He knows what you need. That's good enough. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at LifeTreeCC.com.